Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Well, that was more of what we're talking about. That was a lot of fun. The Jayhawks showed up on Big Monday at home, which they, in case you uh, haven't figured out by now, they typically do with Bill Self as their coach. They take down a top five Texas team to get right back into the teeth of the Big 12 race. Landon, you're so excited. You cracked a cold one here as we're getting ready to talk about this game. And inside the paint first here on show number 402, uh, alcohol being consumed on the on the show. Are you excited to uh, get tipsy and talk about how much you love Bill? Yeah, I we'll see if this one Bud Light gets me anywhere. Um, but I think I might have had one once before on the show. Can't remember. So maybe a, an ITP second. But uh, yeah, very excited. What a Very fun game to watch here for Kansas. Had a blast. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. This is Inside the Paint on Rock Chalk Blog, mm. Spreaker.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the beer made me forget, I guess. I'm Landon. He's Ryan. That, <laughs> he's got, I'm Ryan. That, there you go. Now, <laughs> it's like now it's like Landon is already tipsy hearing that, that Nick is me and I'm, yeah. You've listened to enough of these shows. I'm going to say that a lot, of, a lot of you didn't just click this show and this is your first Inside the Paint. But if it is, then welcome. And if it's not, then welcome back. Let's. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about those Jayhawks as Nick blows his nose because uh, it's allergy season. Uh, at least with allergies, you don't have profuse episodes of throwing up and nausea, which is what we're all going to have when we're watching Tanner Groves make baskets against the Jayhawks here on Saturday. Landon, you're going to be out of town for that game. Are you sad? You're missing the Groves finale. Yeah, yeah. I just I love Norman and watching Kansas play in Norman so much. Um, I'm going to be sad throughout the entirety of seeing my old friends again and, and being at a wedding and being excited about the Chiefs Super Bowl. Just not going to be able to enjoy any of that. Everybody talks about Stillwater like it's the worst place ever for Kansas, but they've been worse in Norman than they have in Stillwater on this show, I'm pretty sure. Like, I can think And of... Norman is so much worse aesthetically. Really? Why? Why do you say that? I've never been to either one. Well, at least what I mean, I haven't either on TV. Anyway, it's so dark in Norman and like eight people are at every game. Oh, but Stillwater is that camera that's set up on the moon that's pointed down at it. (laughs) That is that is fair. And I've seen some stupid stuff happen in Oklahoma State, but it feels like every time they lose a game in Norman, it feels like something titanically stupid happens. Like the coach deciding the we're going to go all like what they did with Shaq back in the day. We're just going to intentionally foul the opposing team's center and make him miss free throws. Or what, what else stupid has happened down there? They almost lost last year, but Christian Brown rescued him. Uh, I've watched the streak di- officially died in Norman. I've watched your man Marcus Garrett turn the ball over a lot in a in a narrow loss in Norman. I've we have an Ask RCB to which my question or my answer will be Marcus Garrett later. Is it who do you hate more? If you were in a room with Hitler, Ben Laden, and Marcus <laughs> Garrett, who would you shoot? Is that the answer for you? Not quite. Not quite that so violent. Qu- I have Gonzaga fans on my TV right now because what else is on ESPN at this time of night? And uh, if I was in a room with Hitler, Ben Laden, and some Gonzaga fans, I'd probably shoot the Gonzaga fans. He's quoting Michael Scott, NSA, just to be very clear. I was going to say, 
Does that even get a hmm? Or is that is that too far? I mean, I would say it's too far, but you're quoting television, so I'm I'm good with that. There we go. That is definitely what I'm doing. All right, let's talk about what we watched on television. Number nine, Kansas, eighty-eight. Number five, Texas, eighty. Uh, every time they beat Texas, I have to uh, go ahead and play this. Hey, Patrick, what am I now? Uh, stupid? No, I'm Texas. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Did either of you two watch that episode, or is SpongeBob past your time? My parents thought SpongeBob was too weird. <laughs> uh, see, my parents did too, but I watched it anyways. It, that's the difference between someone who is homeschooled and someone who is not, uh, because yeah, it's it's uh, no SpongeBob was what I grew up on. So you guys are making me feel old, being like the the only one that watched that episode, like in its day. It will never get old. All right, let's talk about this basketball game because that was a good one. And a game that they really had to have. We talked about how any chance of them winning the Big 12 was set to die should they lose the game on Monday night. The Jayhawks never trailed against Texas on Monday. So they started hot, survived a lull in the middle where uh, it got tied and they didn't play very well. And then they finished very strong to earn a crucial conference win. Despite playing shorthanded, several players who had either been struggling or or were not used to getting a lot of run, came up really big in helping the Jayhawks keep their chances at a Big 12 title alive. Nick, your instant reaction, uh, you were in the middle of this or in the middle of this game, you said this feels like a loss, and they ultimately played a really good second half and uh, proved you wrong. Your thoughts? Yeah, they, they got contributions from guys not with the last name of Wilson or Dick, uh, and it was fabulous. Um, Dick was huge in this game. Um, mm. And then overall, Kevin McCuller played well. DeWan Harris had another breakout game, making my take a few weeks ago look even dumber. Um, so overall, this is what the Kansas team we were looking for. We knew Jalen Wilson after that historic five-game stretch. We knew a uh, regression was due at some point, at least in one game. It came, and Kansas was prepared. The rest of the guys got good minutes. Ernest Udo was fantastic. I, I don't know why he has not been playing. Yeah. Um, oh, MJ Rice yeah. had oh. some good minutes. So, uh, you know, but, but Bill, Bill doesn't play freshman. So. Yeah, the answer to your question, why hasn't he been playing, is... Damn it, Bill! And that drop doesn't get played very much anymore because it turns out that... Damn it, Bill! ...is the uh, only two-time active, non-vacated NCAA tournament-winning coach in college basketball. So, therefore, we'd look kind of stupid if we pushed... Damn it, Bill! ...a lot with, like we used to. But uh, in this in this particular instance, that is why. Uh, Landon, yeah, they played really, really well. We saw a couple of uh, unsung heroes come up big for them, and then a couple of guys that we knew had to play better for them to turn things around. They looked better as well. What is your initial takeaway from watching Kansas get a win over a top-five team? Yeah, it felt like this game was a direct response to the podcast we recorded last time, just, yep. like, showing us why that wasn't the case, um, or just answering our questions directly, like, we were saying, man, what would it look like if Jalen Wilson had an off night right now? That would be a disaster. And then he scores two points. And we were saying, we were specifically questioning mostly Dewan Harris and Grady Dick and saying, can these guys step up? Can like Do these guys have it in them to be really good on a consistent basis? And obviously, one game does not make a consistent basis. But Jalen Wilson had an off night, and those two guys stepped up in a huge way and had great nights uh, scoring and, and just facilitating the offense in general. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice to see a performance where 
The bench played well, mostly with Joseph Yesifu getting getting 14 of his own. We'll talk about him later. Um, like I said, Harris and Dick really stepping up. Um, yeah, I mean, if Kansas can get that kind of performance out of the bench and out of Harris especially, like, they are going to be very tough to beat. Um, I hope it's not just the Allen Fieldhouse effect, um, but I'll take it in this game either way. Well, they're going to have an interesting schedule coming up here because there's eight games left on the schedule, or seven games, seven games left on the schedule. Four of them are on the road, but only only one of those is at an environment that you'd think that's going to be really, really tough. The Jayhawks are going to be favored in the majority of their remaining games. And, uh, yeah, if they keep getting contribution from guys like this, I'm not sure there's three better teams out there than they are. Uh, and we'll see we'll see exactly if that happens. It's too bad the NCAA tournament can't be played on Monday nights at uh, Allen Fieldhouse because if that was the case, I'd love their chances. A couple of stats here that are going to prompt a wrap. Bill Self is now an unbelievable 36-0 at home on Big Monday and 10-1 against top five teams at home. Which of those stats is your favorite? Because they are both absolutely bloody impossible. I think it's actually the 10-1 and one versus top five teams. Like, that is absurd. Nick, what well, do you how? think? Sorry, what are you going to say, Ryan? I was going to go off on a, on a point about that, so go ahead and answer the question. I would just agree with you, Landon. What, what, how many of those games against top five teams, what, how many of those can you name? I was trying to think of these not too long ago. Oklahoma in three overtimes when they were one and two is one. They upset Baylor a couple years ago whenever they were undefeated in the COVID year. Obviously this. What el- who else? Was they- Kentucky in the top five? Coming nope. out of Fieldhouse? Barely, but no. Like, who else? Baylor came in undefeated in 12 in Missouri, the Missouri finale. They were there. That's five. Like, there are more than I'm thinking. I'm missing several of these. Uh, I think there was another, like, number four Baylor versus number three Kansas or something like that. They uh, lost a a game like that, but I think think that... I think they won one, too. Whichever one wasn't was the loss. Um, And then they had... I know there's been some Texas teams that have come in here... Just in case state was in the top five in the year they had Poland and Clemente. Just crazy. And some of those games, I'm sure, cross paths, being the uh, Big Monday top five teams that we've seen. But undefeated at home on Big Monday is crazy. And when you think of some of the, the games that that streak has survived, that's why I think that one's more impressive. Because that's 36 conference wins. Usually conference wins that are selected for being marquee matchups on Big Monday. And you look at the games, some of the near... The, I, I hate the phrase near miss because it's not a near miss. It's a near hit. But the, the near disasters that they've had there with the West Virginia crazy comeback a few years back being on a Big Monday. Oklahoma three overtimes on a Big Monday. Uh, Texas Tech last year landed the game you and I were at where they survived in double overtime. Just just crazy. The, the guy, whenever... It's amazing how this coach has so many crazy statistics that just continue to show how good he is. But they had to have this one, and they ultimately get it done. All right, let's talk about players. Nick, we talked about on this show, and looks like we were pretty smart, Dewan Harris might be the biggest key to this season. He might be the X factor. When he plays well, the Jayhawks play well. When he doesn't play well, the slump happened. Well, based on this game, I'd say our point was pretty well taken because he was great against the Longhorns. Yeah, the best player in the game, like you said, uh, who was terrific in every facet, 17 points, 8 for 16 from the floor. How about that efficiency? Never seen that before from Dewan Harris. Six rebounds, five assists, four steals, 
Stat sheet stuffer in 34 minutes. Bill Self talked after the game about how much better KU is when Harris is aggressive. You saw exactly what that looked like in this game, and it's hard to disagree. Not when Harris is aggressive and just shooting threes every single time he gets the chance, but like you saw, driving to the basket. He's great taking the ball to the hoop. Those reverse layups are just putting up on the glass and usually it goes in. So uh, good to see DeJuan Harris finally just take that extra step. Uh, know what his role is on this team is to be more of a shooter, not just a facilitator. Uh, he definitely took that to heart in this game. Hopefully it progresses like this going forward. Landon, we had talked about DeJuan Harris being the most important player on this team, but I didn't know this factoid whenever I... Uh, whenever I said that. Do you know what Kansas's record is when DeWan Harris scores at least 10 points? I'm going to guess it's undefeated. They are 18-0 and 0 in DeWan Harris's career. That is indeed undefeated when he scores at least 10 points. I'll give you the floor to answer because I definitely don't think that's a coincidence. I, I'm in the numbers never lie camp, and I don't think that number lies. I think that's very clear evidence that our point from the last podcast was right. What say you? No, I, I definitely think that that is the case. Like he is very integral to this team and that's why we're calling for him to be more aggressive. And like Nick said, it's not just, we want him to take every potential three he possibly could take for the sake of it. No, we want him to actually attack. We want him to create offense, whether that is scoring for himself or for others. We want him to create scoring. Um, cause like I said a few, uh, several episodes ago at this point, but I think if Dewan Harris gets to 15 points plus assists, that's going to make Kansas really, really difficult to beat. Um, especially if he's scoring, if he does generally get to double figures, like that's a lot to overcome when you're going to imagine that Jalen Wilson is probably putting in, you know, 15 plus, but even on a night, like to, uh, in this game, when he's at two, Dewan Harris can step up, has a huge night. Um, Again, more consistency would be great, but I don't think it's a coincidence at all that when Dewan Harris scores and creates more, this team becomes infinitely harder to beat. I would rather watch the Jayhawks lose a game when Dewan Harris goes two for 12 than I would watch him go two for three. They need him. He is, he's not going to be a Remy Martin. He's not going to be a Sharon Collins. It's not his role. But they need him to score. They cannot win games consistently when he doesn't score. They can win every now and then whenever he goes two for four. But against the quality teams, this team isn't deep enough, nor are they consistent enough outside of Jalen Wilson to survive whenever he doesn't look to score. Kevin McCuller has put up numbers more often than he hasn't, but the cons the consistency and the efficiency isn't there. We don't know what we're getting night in, night out from Grady Dick since conference play started. And KJ Adams, nobody's more dependent on the play of his point guard than he is. The bench also, before this game, really couldn't have been counted on either. They need DeWan Harris. They need to rely on him as a scorer. And I don't think... I, I wanted to say if he scores about 10 points a game, I don't think they're going to lose very much. They literally haven't lost when he scored 10 points. So I think that this sort of approach... The, the aggressiveness, the 16 shots isn't going to happen every night, honestly, or obviously, but the aggressiveness, he looked to score. And we've said this throughout his career. When DeWan Harris looks to score, more often than not, he's productive. This isn't a 25% three-point shooter. This isn't a 30% at-the-rim shooter. When he looks to score, more often than not, 
he puts points on the board for the Jayhawks. And that opens up the driving lanes for KJ Adams. That opens up the three-point line. Because I think we've seen more often than not, guys are set on leaving DeWan Harris open and putting more of the eggs in the Grady Dick basket or the Jalen Wilson basket. Harris gets more open looks than most guys on the team. He's got to take them because more often than not, he's making them. I think it was great to see, and I think this was one of his, I think this was probably his best game in college so far. The points, 17, were one off a career high. The six rebounds was a career high. The four steals was a career high, and then you throw in five assists as well. Yeah, that's, and the and the shots made, the shots attempted, all those were career best as well. Great game from Harris. All right, let's talk a little bit about how else Kansas got this win, as they were just two for 10 from three, and they still scored 88 points on a top five team. I'm assuming that if you had been told at the beginning of the night, Kansas was going to go two for 10 on threes, would you have predicted a loss? If I heard before, I thought this right after the game ended too. That if I had heard Jalen Wilson scored two points and Kansas went two of 10 from three, I thought they'd lost by 15. Yeah, and we've seen Kansas lose double digits uh, against Texas before whenever the floor kind of falls out. Uh, We'll get to Wilson in a minute, but are you guys encouraged how this team is finding different ways to win? We saw in the Kentucky game, wherever they weren't making shots for a while and they fell behind early, and then they won won that game with those three-pointers late. That was great. Then against Texas, they get a quality win despite, with the exception of Grady Dix in the first half, nobody made threes, and they still came out and found a way to get a win over a top-five team. That has to be pretty encouraging. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with what Sentiment Landon said. Uh, this game, on paper, for many aspects, if you just take out some of those stats like DeWan Harris playing better, Kansas loses this game, typically. I think that the boost of Allen Fieldhouse certainly helped the cause this game, but... Um, yeah, just overall, uh, really have to be pleased about the actual result of the game. Landon, I, I mean, from my my two cents is this was the sort of game that I'm not saying that individual performances in the regular season directly lead to tournament wins. But if Kansas is going to go deep in this tournament, more very, very likely, more likely than not, they're going to have to beat a quality team on a night when they're not getting a lot from behind the three-point line. We've all seen that game in the NCAA tournament over the years from then. They have it every year. Sometimes they survive it. Sometimes they don't. This is the sort of game that I think we needed to see to have confidence should Kansas need to score in the 80s on a night in March against the four seed and the three-point shot isn't falling. Well, we watched them We watched them on this night. They were able to win that game. Is this the sort of game that invokes confidence in that going forth? Uh, it definitely is. I think the last two games are very indicative of this team. This game is a representation of how Kansas can win a national title, minus Jalen Wilson only scoring two. Um, and the Iowa State loss is very much indicative of how this team will lose in March if that is to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I do think this instills confidence because you see the ceiling. You see that Kansas has it in them to get bench production and to get production, uh, very solid production at that from someone not named Jalen Wilson. And that's really important for this team. But then the previous game shows you the very flip side of they also have the ability to not get anything from the bench and not get much, um, productive or much efficient from anyone else other than Jalen Wilson. And so, uh, you know, I do think there's a bit of a a dichotomy within this team uh, when that's concerned, but I definitely think this game makes me feel better about their chances moving forward. That's for sure. 
Let's talk about that bench, too, because they put up 22 points in 41 minutes, which is fantastic efficiency. They only had three guys play, too, and it sounds like it's going to be close to that, if not exactly that, for a little bit. Bobby Pettiford, who has now had five different stints in a year and a half where he has been shelved. Sometimes it's just been for a week, and sometimes it's been for a lot longer than that. But he's back on the shelf with a, an, a hamstring injury that he suffered back a couple of games ago. Zach Clements, we all saw him go down with the knee injury in Ames. Uh, he's going to be out for a little bit. Zuby Ejiofor's out a while. All those guys are out, so they only had three guys play in this game. That would be Joe Yesifu, Ernest Uday, and uh, and and who am I missing? Good Lord. Who am I missing? Who's the other bench piece? Uday, uh, Yesifu, and... Uh, Pettiford? Pe- no, who, who's, who am I missing? Oh, they were out. Um, uh, MJ Rice. MJ Rice, thank you. Jeez, been buried on the bench so long, completely forgot forget? about it. I know, I, I mean, we've been clamoring for more too. We really should talk about Joe Yesifu here early in this recap, because as Landon said, boy, was he good. 14 points, that's uh, the most he scored at Kansas. Five for nine from the floor, plus five rebounds in 19 minutes. We've all thought that maybe the best role Joe Yesifu will have on this team is the Energizer Spark Plug, the guy that can come off the bench and put it in the hoop a couple times, and he did just that. Has he set himself, well, the question is, has he set himself above Pettiford as far as who you want to see come off the bench? That's when they're both available, and Pettiford hasn't been able to put together a a long enough stint without getting hurt for us to think that's going to happen. But Yesifu's the guy that I think adds the gear that this team needs more than Pettiford does. Is that fair? I don't think Yesifu's been great for a lot of the season, but I think he has proved himself to be much more valuable than Bobby Pettiford, unfortunately. For now. But, like, okay, I think Pettiford has a future in Kansas because he plays the way that some of the similar point guards do. I also thought that Pettiford would look to score. You think Harris doesn't look to score. Pettiford doesn't even ponder scoring most of the time. Yesifu is kind of the opposite problem. We'll see him just think it's Joe Yesifu time and start launching. And in this game, it worked out. Uh, but I definitely think you're going to have a game that Kansas loses the rest of, at some point this year where Yesifu's going to come in and take a bad shooting night and make it even worse. But they, they need him. They don't win this game without him. And he was really, really good. Also took a nasty fall. Glad that he didn't get hurt in that particular uh, particular instance whenever he's fouled hard going up. All right, if we don't have anything else to say about the bench, let's talk about the conference race. I need some uh, extended discussions from you guys on this one. Kansas is now in a four-way tie for second place. Texas is 8-3. and three. Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, and uh, Iowa State are all 7-4. and four. How is this going to play out, as if any of us know? I definitely think KU gets a share at this point. Nick, what do you think? It is trending that direction, especially with the schedule. You look at the KU schedule compared to the rest of the teams. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a log jam, though. I think there's a lot of games left, and seven games left, certainly a lot could change. Right now... Uh, I think that KU has a good shot. I'd probably peg them at a 60% chance, in my opinion, that they win the conference, at least with a share. But uh, I think there's a very real realistic chance that they lose one, maybe drop one against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, and then they're just, by way of the conference just being so tight right now, KU just does not find their way back into the top of the, the conference. Buy or sell, the winner of this conference, if it's a tie or whatever, the, the winner of this conference will have six losses. Sell. Sell. I agree. 
I think that the only way that that happens, by the way, is Kansas and Texas. I think those are the only two teams that can get to 13-5. and five. I think there are enough L's for everybody else to be taken. And for Kansas to get there, that would require them going 7-1. and one. And for Texas to get there, that would require them go, or I guess it's 6-1 and one now. That would require Texas going 5-2, and two, which Texas still has Kansas at home. Their last four games for Texas, in some order, are Kansas at home, at Baylor, at TCU, Iowa State at home. Yeah, okay. You're getting the 5-2 and two in those seven games with that stretch? I don't think they are. So I think that Kansas gets there to 13-5, and five, and I think, I guess I would say at that point that that's enough for an outright title. But all these teams are going to be within a couple games of each other. I think that Kansas, Baylor, and Texas are the best three teams. I think they will be 1-2-3 and three in some order. And TCU would be in there if their best player didn't have an extended absence with his knee injury. But is there? am I right on that one? Kansas, Baylor, Texas, best three teams, most dangerous three teams. TCU joins that club if they get Mike Miles back. Is that fair? That feels pretty accurate. I do think K-State with um, Keontae Johnson and, and Marquis Noel are still a pretty dangerous squad. And I think their bigs are a little underrated. I think they have a very high ceiling with those players. But, yes, I think Baylor, Texas, Kansas, definitely the top three. All right, Landon, tell me about Grady Dick. He was uh, actually the guy who led them in scoring. It didn't really feel like that. Uh, but he played a very nice game coming out of a slump. Yeah, he had 21 points in this game on a very efficient, which very nice to see, 7 of 11 from the field. He took three threes, uh, but he did make two of those, including his highlight of the season thus far with an in-transition step-back swish that made yeah. Allen Fieldhouse erupt. That building was just, like, going absolutely bonkers for the first uh, several minutes of the game. Texas could not hold on to the basketball in those first uh, few minutes. And it just got louder and louder and louder in there. And yes, I've been in the building for a lot of loud moments. Thomas Robinson's dunk against Baylor was insane. Also, same man, Thomas Robinson's block against Missouri was the loudest I have ever heard Allen Fieldhouse get. And I've heard them get really loud over some other moments over the course of the Bill Self tenure. But Grady Dick's step back... Marcus Carr falls over and then drains the three to put Kansas up like 14 in the first half. That was one of the loudest moments I've heard Allen Fieldhouse get. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Sorry to, to interrupt you on that, Landon. I guess you were pretty much done with the point. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on Grady Dick's game? Is this, I mean, I think that they can be summed up as pretty simply. They scored 88 on a night where their best player had two and Grady Dick, if that's the case, he's going to be a big, big part of that. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that uh, he finally, like you said, the threes were finally falling for him. He's been such a slump lately. Just to see a shot fall psychologically might help him quite a bit, um, but definitely encouraging to see. He's still a freshman. We have to remember that that, that, that kind of regression, uh, that, that bad streak he had, it's pretty typical of guys who come in here and a little raw. Uh, so uh, I'd expect him maybe that trajectory is going to start to change and the pendulum will shift, and we'll see some more game, better games from him that we've seen earlier this year that really show his potential, so I'm excited to see that. Grady Dick adjusted his game a lot after his slump that coincided with KU's losing streak because he attempted eight threes in both the K-State and TCU losses. Since then, Kansas has played five games. The most threes he's attempted in a game of those five was five. I need to see him shoot more. 
We've seen him be productive against Texas and against Kentucky and definitely in Waco against Baylor, all on nights when the fastball wasn't working. He wasn't going 5 for 8 or 6 for 11 from 3 like we thought we'd see him do a few times in conference play. I don't want to see that become a normal thing. I want to see him take 8 to 10 threes per game because more often than not, he's going to make four of them and they're going to come at massive times for the Jayhawks. Five straight games with only five threes or fewer attempted for Grady Dick. Uh, that concern you at all, Landon? Or is that something you think uh, that's just kind of a, a fluky thing that you'll see that go back up to where it had been here pretty soon? Uh, what's more important for me with a guy that has been inefficient is just can he make his baskets? Um, now, obviously, of course, Grady Dick has a very high ceiling behind the arc, and we've seen that uh, several times already this season. So, yeah, I think definitely taking more than three, but I also don't want him taking eight when he's going one of eight and two of eight. Um, I, I think on those kind of nights, I think an intelligent player realizes, you know, what he is and what he isn't on a given night, and he knows to attack in different ways. Um, you know, Grady Dick's a good shooter, but he's not Steph Curry or Clay Thompson literally yet. Um but no, I, I think as long as he can actually score, I'm I'm less concerned about the amount he's taking because I know he's going to take at least some. Uh, but on a night he's two of three, yeah, I'd like to see at least two or three more. That'd be nice. This team has gotten a lot better shooting free throws. That's something that's worth mentioning uh, because in this game they shot. Uh, they I mean they were they were very effective at 79 percent in this game, 22 of 28. They are shooting 75 percent as a team in uh, conference play from the line. That would be one of the five best Bill Self era teams translated over a course, uh, to a whole season. It looked early on in the season that they were going to be terrible shooting the ball from the line, and they've been they've been very good. It's been very good to see. Okay, Nick, let's talk about Jalen Wilson uh, because he did not play well, and it's probably time to talk about his game here. Yeah, easily the worst game of the year for him, scoring just two points, one for seven from the floor. He did have six rebounds and two assists, but to play 27 minutes, due to foul trouble uh, it was great to see the teammates build out uh, that were built out by him so many times pick him up and carry the team to win on a night when he wasn't playing well yeah land and this we knew this was coming um but i definitely didn't think that it would happen on a night where kansas also happened to beat a top five team uh they they looked really good despite wilson just having nothing like everything he tried wasn't there i wonder what the vegas odds of him scoring under three points were at the beginning of the night should have thrown a few bucks on that yeah, he definitely didn't have a good shooting night, although it didn't really feel like he played especially poorly. Um, his shots just didn't fall, which, yeah, we all, I think we all could reasonably assume was going to happen at some point, um, knowing knowing the kind of player he is, even with the amazing season he's had. I think we could all probably sense one of these was coming. I'd much rather have it in the middle of conference play than in the middle of March. Um, yeah, I didn't think he played poorly, necessarily. Um, his shot wasn't falling. I think Texas did a, at least a decent job really making him work for whatever he did try to get um, and definitely, I think, made him work a lot harder. I think a lot of teams have tried to deny Grady Dick uh, and they've tried to, to play different defense, kind of allowing Jalen Wilson to get whatever he's wanted or not whatever he's wanted, but certainly they've just kind of gone with the assumption of Jalen Wilson is going to get something, so let's try to shut down everyone else. And I think Texas went more with the strategy of let's try to shut down Jalen Wilson as much as we can and force everyone else to score on us, um, and Kansas did that, of course. But, no, I think Jalen will be fine. Uh, certainly, one weird game is not a uh, season indicative. And, I, like I said, I, I actually think he played relatively well. He was just quiet, which is which is weird for him this year. 
My takeaway from this game is I think that he is going to have Jalen Wilson. I predict Jalen Wilson is going to have a terrific game when the Jayhawks go to Austin. He was chirping all night with Timmy Allen. And uh, just based on his stat line, Jalen Wilson's not the sort of guy that I'm betting against. We've known him throughout his Kansas career to be one of the dogs, as Bill Self says. He's the alpha of this team. And you fool him once, all right, you got him. But I'm expecting a pretty big performance from him whenever they end up uh, playing again here in a few weeks. And I think he has a pretty good game on Saturday, too. Doesn't seem like the sort of player that's going to have a back-to-back stinker fest going on here. So uh, we'll have to see. I think that uh, I'm not betting against them, though. I think that he's proven time and time again that he's a player that can be bet on. And in this game, didn't play well, but his team picked him up. We've seen him rescue this team many, many times when they didn't. They wouldn't have even had a prayer of winning the game had it not been for him. But on this night, they ended up being the ones saving him. We normally talk about the refs, but I feel like they were fine. Like, I know that's that's super surprising. I didn't think I'd say that. But the refs were okay in this game. You know when the the uh, announcers are saying that the, they're playing, letting the guys play and it's getting a little too physical, that the refs are doing a good job. Yeah, and they, and I understand the Big 12 is a hard conference to officiate because there is so much physicality out there. But they they have to that's that's their job. They got to do better because they they are not good at it. Uh, Marcus Carr and uh, Timmy Allen sure drew some fouls down the stretch. That last five minutes took about an hour to complete. But other than that, they were fine. Yeah, they were. They were completely harmless, which is very rare. <laughs> uh, harmless. I, I I wish that I had better segue here. I don't. Uh, tell me about the bigs, somebody. KJ Adams. He had ten points and eight rebounds, with seven of those coming on the offensive end. Very impressive. He played thirty-one minutes. He was four-seven from the floor. Complimenting him nicely was Ernest Uday, who came off the bench to score six points in eight minutes, but only got two second-half minutes because, well, you know the drought. Oh, yep. Sorry, I was watching the NFL honors. I I'm definitely on it. Damn it, Bill! Makes no damn sense. Oh, that, that now it's my turn to, to scream about this. Yeah, they beat a top five team, so I have a real hard time getting too mad about this. But what, what, what? Just play him. Just let him play. They were better. At, they were at their best with Ernest Uday in uh, in the game in this game. So somehow eight minutes. Eh, eh. I'm glad but he's something playing more. That, something that Ryan can't be mad about, Nick. Another bench player played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Ryan cannot be mad about MJ Rice being well. Uh, he scored two points and one for five from the floor. He did provide excellent energy in 15 reserve minutes. He also had an NFL QB caliber assist on a cross-court pass. Yeah, that pass was nuts. Seeing one of those in person just adds to the the level of appreciation you have, how freaking difficult it is. Svee McKaylook got a pass from Josh Jackson once. I think it was in that West Virginia comeback way early in the game. Yeah, where Jackson, You remember that? Where Jackson just wound up and threw it like 60 feet down the court. And I, I don't know if I tried to throw a ball that far, a basketball. I don't know if I could get it that far let alone getting it up and over some of the tallest men in the, in the, in the state that are playing right in front of you at that moment. 
ridiculous how these guys can do that. MJ Rice provided excellent minutes in this game. Don't let the one for five fool you. There is a reason that Kansas looked as good as they did despite Wilson struggling with MJ Rice and Ernest Uday providing good minutes. They are key pieces to this team and the Jayhawks are going to need them. There's going to be an NCAA tournament game where Kansas's ability to win or not will come down to whether or not these two men can step up and provide quality minutes. Hold on to your butts. Now, MJ was effective in this game. He didn't score the ball very well, but he was really good uh, as an energy piece off the bench. I, I did like what I saw from him, but obviously we'd like to see more scoring, but I, I was pleased with the effort he gave. Kevin McCuller, we normally the guy we put last in these recaps is somebody who we just don't have a lot to say, but they normally don't play as well as McCuller did. He had 16 points and 6 rebounds in 31 minutes, which is a great line. He had three and ones. He was drawing contact uh, and converting through it. Shot a ton of free throws, 10 of 13 from the line for McCuller. He was solid. There really isn't a lot to analyze with this game, but I kind of think this is this maybe shows that Kevin McCuller has been underappreciated this year by everybody, including us at times. He's provided really solid minutes more often than not, and he was a key piece in helping them beat a top five team. It's kind of indicative of what he's been as a college player. He hasn't been super sexy, and he hasn't had a lot of earth-shattering stat lines, but he's been involved in a lot of really nice wins. I think that's just kind of sums him up, unless you guys have anything to add. No, I think that's about what Kevin McCuller is turning into and about what he is. And it's, I think it he's is quiet because it's so quiet for him because he's, like you said, 10 of those points were free throws. So it's just kind of forgettable. But, but those are pivotal. Like you said, he's been, yeah, he's been pivotal. He's been good. He's been really good. Like if Kevin McCuller didn't have those 10 points and was like 6 of 13 from the line, we would notice it. But because he's so quality, he's, he provides a quality free throw performance, we don't notice it as much. I think that he is... I, I just don't know if I've ever in my time watching Kansas seen a pretty good to really good somewhere in there, but not great player like Kevin McCuller. The great ones are going to get the stats. The bad ones are going to get the, the monologues on this show. Kevin McCuller just does a pretty good job most nights. And you could win a lot of games with a lot of pretty good guys on your roster. I guess that's that's how I see it, I guess. Uh, unless you guys have anything further to add here, we can start to wrap up this game. Uh, Marcus Carr did score 29 points for the Longhorns, but boy, that that was endless watching him make these crazy. He used the, his whole season's worth of difficult shots in this game, I feel like, and it didn't even result in a win. Uh, KU shot 49% from the floor, just 20% on 10 threes, and 79% at the free throw line. They were plus five on the glass. We talk, I think we kind of nailed the scouting report on this game too. We said Texas was kind of the opposite from what they had been under Shaka Smart. The Shaka Smart teams were all about defense, and they did well on the offensive end when they were making threes. We saw guys like Courtney Ramey fill it up from three, and they burned Kansas a few times by making more threes than we expected. This Texas team wasn't about that. They're not a good three-point shooting team. They get everything inside the arc, and they're a really good offensive team. They move the ball well. They don't turn it over much. They did in this game. But on the defensive end, they can be gotten. We saw that happen in this game. We kind of crushed the scouting report. Yay, us. After 402 shows, we finally got one right. Anything else to add about this this contest here? A good, really good, probably their best win of the year, all things considered, performance by the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, it was really nice to see. I, I don't disagree. I thought it was a very strong showing from Kansas. 
Uh, also nice to see, no matter what kind of run or what kind of move Texas made to try to get back in the game, Kansas always there to answer them. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think this is one of, if not the most impressive win Kansas has had. Nick, any closing thoughts? Mahomes just won MVP. I was going to say, if you guys weren't watching the honors, Patrick Mahomes just won the MVP. And there are a few people who aren't Chiefs fans that are listening to this show, which is fine. But for anybody who's not a Chiefs fan, I at least expect you to know that uh, what what Chiefs fans sat through before this man that just won MVP. So I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Pretty, pretty, pretty great win for the Jayhawks. Uh, great to see this team right in the thick of the Big 12 race per usual. And it's going to be a fun ride to the finish. Big 12 games. Well, it was a relatively quiet week in the Big 12. I believe that all five favorites won this week, so there isn't a whole lot of hoopla, but maybe the most uh, the, the most impressive team would have to be none other than Jerome Tang's... Emo, bitches. <laughs> and Jerome Tang would not like it if he knew I played that drop because it has a swear word in it. Uh, so, can number 12, Kansas State, 82... Number 17, TCU, 61. Holy blowout. Landon, tell me about it. A very impressive victory for K-State, who took a close halftime game and ran away in the second half. Marquise Noel scored 18 points, and his last three was a 35-footer. Did you guys see that shot? I did not, actually. Just nasty. With the clock running out and a blowout, he just pulled up from the teeth of the Wildcat and swished it home. It was very Steph-like. That is very impressive. TCU, not so impressive from three. Three of 17 on the night. Um, remember when they were in Allen Fieldhouse and went three of 17? Oh, me neither, because they rained fire from the heavens. They made three in the first 90 seconds, I think. Uh, still without Mike Miles, TCU's inability to make threes is really killing them in these games. I wish, you know, maybe they didn't have Mike Miles for uh, the Kansas game, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> they are four and six in their last 10. Yeah, the TCU thing makes me disappointed because I love TCU's team. I still do. I think healthy TCU very well might be the most dangerous team in the Big 12. I mean, I don't know what other evidence you need than watching that game at Allen Fieldhouse. But last year, they return all their pieces from a team that should have made the Sweet 16, and they just have all these injury problems. It's how you never really know, and you got to take advantage when you're right there and have the opportunity to do it because next year may not be all that fun in games, and TCU's finding that out. Still think they're dangerous. They'll get Mike Miles back. Eddie Lampkin played in this game, uh, so they're getting healthier, but it definitely is going to cost them a Big 12 title at this point. And losing close road games is going to cost this team a Big 12 title. West Virginia, 76. Number 11, Iowa State, 71. Nick, uh, they've been playing pretty well, so you talking. We'll keep on singing. Yeah, Kedrian Johnson scored 22 and Emmett Matthews added 20. The Mountaineers continue their upward ascent into the NCAA conversation. Uh, the bad news is how poor the game was officiated. Just when you thought the, the Big 12 refs were getting back on their game when the KU and Texas game happened, they uh, tweeted uh, the Big 12 refs tweeted their whistles 49 times in 40 minutes, which meant this non-overtime game lasted 2 hours Goodness and 40 minutes. Four players fouled out, 55 free throws were attempted, and 45, 44 baskets were made. Iowa State is 2-6 and six on the road with five straight losses. I'd rather be 2-6. and six. I feel like that I have watched five straight losses after watching the second half of this game. 
it it was unbelievable. They fouled out back-to-back players. Uh, they fouled out Eric Stevenson, and then they fouled out Iowa State's point guard, whose name escapes me. It's he's he was really good. He scored 16 Gabe points in this game. Uh, no, the 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 tip Stephen or Lipsy or something like that. Um, Turin Lipsy or something like that. And they fouled both of them out on back-to-back controversial charge calls. And you cannot tell me the second one wasn't. Oh crap! We messed up the last charge call. So have another charge call. It's it was it's disgusting to watch. This game didn't get over until yeah almost nine o'clock when it started at six. Uh, but Iowa State, Landon, we we've kind of been right. We've kind of been wrong about Iowa State. They've been just crazy good at home. Kansas State is actually the only Big Twelve team that has gone and played them at Hilton this year and not lost by double digits. So they've been really good at home. But now they're, they're just killing themselves on the way or on on the uh, on away from home. We saw them blow the huge lead at Oklahoma State and blow an even huger lead at Texas Tech. Those blown leads on the road, this one they led too. That's going to be the reason that they ultimately don't win this conference, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, that is definitely the mark of a younger team or the mark of a slightly less talented team is when they can't really go on the road and get business done. Speaking of, Oklahoma State 71, Texas Tech 68. I've been a little bit more bullish than I should on Texas Tech all throughout conference play. They're 1-10, but they realistically could be like 500 if a couple things had just bounced a different direction. I picked them in this game because it felt like a chance for them to steal one on the road against a team that had been overachieving a bit, and they were right there. This game was tied at 68 when John Michael Wright got a second chance and one putback with literally 0.0 on the clock to put the Cowboys over the top. They are now 6-5 and five in conference play. They've won 6 out of 7. The Jayhawks go to Stillwater next week, a game that maybe you could pencil in as a potential win is now looking a lot tougher. Bryce Thompson scored 21 points. Jalen Tyson had 20 for the Red Raiders. They're 1-10. and 10. But it still feels like Lubbock, they're going to get somebody. They have a home game against K-State this weekend. They have Texas next week. They're going to get somebody, and I feel like that the impact they're going to make in the Big 12 race, they're going to play spoiler and ruin somebody's chances. Is that true, or am I the only one that's still buying Texas Tech at this point? They're going to get somebody. I agree with that. Also, not all 1 in 10 Big 12 teams are created equal because this team would annihilate the bad K-State and Iowa State teams of 2020. Yeah, and those like really bad TCU teams we watched all those years. Yeah, yeah. this Texas Tech team, you can say, I'm not saying they should have, but you can say they should have beat Kansas at home. They should have beat Texas on the road. They should have beat West Virginia at home. That game went to overtime. And they should have won this game at Oklahoma State. You win those games and you're up to five and six. And that's an NCAA tournament team. A couple, ba- And they were up 10 at TCU in the conference opener to start the year. So they have had so many chances and it just, the ball hasn't bounced their direction. Number 14, Baylor, 82, Oklahoma, 72. Landon, uh, this game went about as we expected. Boring and with uh, Baylor getting a win. Yeah, Keontae George and Adam Flagler, they combined for 43 points for a very nice night. Baylor didn't even play particularly that well, and they still beat Oklahoma by double digits because the Sooners are really bad. Nick, why is Oklahoma so not good? I don't know. It's perfecting how they beat Alabama. They're, they're kind so- of talentless. No, but see, you're wrong. They're not talentless. This should be being talked about more. Oklahoma has talent. We've watched with our eyeballs what the Groves brothers can do. They are experienced D1 players that were better last year than they are. They've regressed. 
Grant Sherfield should be getting Big 12 Player of the Year votes based on his statistics. He won't because the team's not any good. Jalen Hill was expected to be an all-Big 12 caliber player this year. And their bench was supposed to be one of the best parts of this team. They are a top 30 national three-point shooting team. They're pretty good on the offensive end from a scoring perspective. They should not be this bad. And I don't know what we're going to say about Porter Mosier, but at what point do we start saying... Hmm, they didn't make the tournament last year. They were a bubble team that's gotten in exponentially worse this year when they should have been better. They are the biggest disappointment in the Big 12, I think, even more than Texas Tech, just because there was realistic expectations that this team was going to be better. They're experienced and they're talented, and they just suck. They're horrible. Big 12 yeah. standings at the top. Landon, you have a comment on OU? Oh, I was just going to say, I never really expected too much out of them. Maybe that's me being naive. I never really thought they were going to be any good. Um, Grant Sherfield aside, I mean, that guy is a baller. He's very good. Uh, otherwise, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure, Jalen Hill, the Groves certainly have regressed. Don't get me wrong. They were supposed to be a lot better than this. Um, but I don't well, know. Just I, I just never saw it with them. Just wait. We're going to see what we're saying after the uh, Groves brothers get one more shot at Kansas. Big 12 standings at the top, but the gap is closing. Is Texas, they're 8-3. and three. Four-way tie for second place. Iowa State, Baylor, KU, K-State, all seven and four. Everyone in loves sixth a good place, TCU in Oklahoma State, six and five. And then it's, well, I almost want to say it's a top eight. Like, we, we had a top six, and then it was a top seven. And West Virginia's playing well. They're four and seven, and they are a top 25 Ken Palm team. They are an NCAA lock right now. Uh, in ninth, not an NCAA lock. Oklahoma, two and nine. In tenth, Texas Tech, one and ten. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I think that this conference is going to be decided based off of who went. Like, if Kansas wins on Saturday, then that would make them two and zero oh on the road against Oklahoma and Texas Tech. I don't know if uh, half the teams that they're competing with are going to be two and zero oh against Oklahoma and Texas Tech on the road. And you throw West Virginia in there, who they beat earlier. We just saw Iowa State lose there. Uh, I predict, not to spoil anything, I'm going to pick Texas Tech to beat Kansas State and Lubbock this weekend. Uh, I think Texas is going down somewhere. We'll see, but. This league is going to be decided based on who takes care of business in the bottom. We saw last year Kansas went 0-4 against the teams that finished 2-3-4 and 5 on the road, but they swept the teams that finished 6-10. through That's how you win a conference over an 18-game sample size. In other games, allow us all to laugh. I thought about playing the bagpipes, but we're just going to laugh. <laughs> At how much John Shire sucks ass. Number 19, Miami absolutely ripped Duke apart in Coral Gables, winning 81-59 to and forcing a turnover on seemingly every possession. <laughs> As uh, Nick just posted a meme that made me make the exact same noise that Duke fans did whenever they were watching this game. And all the Blue Devils had 21 turnovers and now sitting at 17-7 and overall with one, count them, one, which according to the meme is Bryce Thompson's jersey number, one quad one win this year. How the hell is there, is, is this team a seven seed in Joe Lenardi's bracketology? This is a bubble team. It's uh, It has a lot to do with the four letters on the front of their jersey. Oh, well, the, the, the four letters that I think of whenever I think Duke are F-U-C... Nope, can't say that on the air. 
They suck. And John Shire is an imbecile. He should be put in jail. I said on Twitter, he's done a lousy job. And some Duke fan replied, well, look at the roster he had. Yeah, he had three of the top six recruits in the high school class. And he had his junior five-star point guard return. What do you want? Bill Self makes this team a two-seed. Yeah, Duke should be a lot better. That I can definitely agree with. Hmm. Uh, let's see. We're talking about Kentucky. There's also Kentucky. No, we're not. We're not? We're not talking about Kentucky. Yeah, oh, Nick oh, is oh, highlighting. Yeah, yeah, Well, this, the, the part where it says not to be outdone by John Shire made me think that was still a Duke point that you had read. I'm also watching the NBA. Um, not to be outdone by John Shire. Hubert Davis led his UNC team into Wake Forest. They gave up 92 to a mediocre Demon Deacon squad. The Tar Heels trailed by 23 with 10 minutes to go. Before hitting some garbage time shots, uh, the seven-point margin definitely makes it look a little closer than it actually was. UNC's 15-9 and and in clear danger of becoming the first preseason number one team to ever miss the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and you talk about the, the letters on their jerseys giving them a boost. North Carolina shouldn't even be in the neighborhood of the NCAA discussion right now. And they're referred to as like last four out. I think they were in the last four in before this game with Kentucky. Oh, sure, because they're UNC. You're telling me if you give Loyola Marymount their exact resume, we're talking about them as an NCAA on the right side of the bubble right now. They are. They haven't beaten anybody all year. And Hubert Davis won those fluky NCAA tournament games, got his pants taken off by Bill in the second half and now we're like oh but he made a final four both those guys are awful coaches and both teams should cut their losses now while it still can i definitely didn't uh, think this... UNC was going to be this bad i i definitely didn't think they were worthy of number one but i didn't see this coming i told you brady manic was a pivotal piece and everybody just looked past that because they're like oh they won all those march games yeah they got lucky to get out past baylor there's also a uh, kentucky running out the Blue Bloods, because apparently Kansas is the only prominent Blue Blood this year. The Wildcats' hot streak blew up with a home loss to Arkansas, 88-73. The Wild uh, Kentucky's NCAA hopes are up in the air, and Kansas' lead on all-time wins is up to seven. I know I really shouldn't throw stones at the you lost in a blowout at home house because Kansas has been good for one of those each year recently. But, boy, Kentucky wasn't even competitive in this game. Arkansas is a good team. They're not by any stretch bad. But this was a team that Kentucky should have been in toward, or should have been in with towards the end. They were favored in this game. And Oscar Shibley was Oscar Shibley, but they didn't get help from anybody else. Just really disappointing to see a Kentucky team that, whose roster I really liked. Oscar Shibley wouldn't have come back two years ago. The NIL thing completely changed the game there. Just when you thought John Calipari getting another ripple to play with in uh, terms of recruiting you thought that was going to take Kentucky to that next level. They've been awful this year. The Blue Bloods just haven't been very good outside of Kansas, par for the course. Miami's competition for best team in the ACC is number eight, Virginia, who virginia their way to a low-scoring win against number 22, North Carolina State, and also Pittsburgh, who squashed now 3-21 and Louisville at home. Those three teams <laughs> all have 10 wins and are tied atop the ACC. Nick, you got to put money on it. Who's the best team in the conference? Uh, I think it's easy. Uh, it's yeah, probably maybe. I think so. But too. honestly, uh, times three is probably a good answer because this conference is so underwhelming. I think it's Miami, Virginia is hey, your textbook. Hey, hey, the ACC is a 
group of five conference. Actually, Kim Pum has the Mountain West as a better conference this year than the AACC. Jeez. So, wow. Yeah, I, be- I believe it because you got San Diego State, who's – San Diego State might be better than any of these teams. I actually think Miami's pretty good. Virginia is your four seed that's going to lose to a 13 seed that everybody's going to see coming in the first round. Duke and North Carolina aren't even in the same stadium as some of these teams. And, yeah, ACC is very disappointing. How sad for ESPN. Uh, for the first time since December, number 21, UConn, finally showed their fangs, thumping number 10, Marquette, at home, 87-72. Tristan Newton had a triple-double with 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 12 assists. It's number 13, Xavier, then Marquette, then number 20, Providence, and then number 23, Creighton, starting to really play well in the Big East. The conference is better than the ACC. Nick just told you the Mountain West is better than the ACC. Can't wait to see four-seed uh, UConn beat Kansas in uh, Kansas City. Yeah, that feels like it's coming right around the corner, doesn't it? Speaking of four-seed, uh, the, the Big 12 battles pretty much only top four-seeds every night in conference play. Meanwhile, two uh, number two, Houston, they get to play number or, uh, five. Gosh, everyone's just number. Number five and 18, Definitely Tulsa. Not a number. That is a bad number uh, for Tulsa. Uh, and that counts for a league win for Houston. Uh, guys, you might want to sit down for this because Houston got a blowout win against a five-win Tulsa squad. They won by 38. <laughs> Good job, Houston. Trace Jackson Davis surpassed 2,000 career points. And number 18, Indiana's home win over number 24, Rutgers. After a rough early January, the Hoosiers have won 7 of 8 and look like the second most dangerous team in the Big Ten outside of number one, Purdue who squashed Iowa behind a 14-14-4-5 game from Zach Eady. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Indiana, Rutgers, and Michigan are all tied for second. Just like we all predicted. Uh, Nick it, yeah, Nick's really on the struggle bus with the allergies this week, sir. I, I feel you. I'll try to move faster for you because you sound like you need a box of Kleenexes. Uh, just like everybody who goes against Zach Eady, but not from blowing their nose from tears. Because apparently Zach Eady is going to start throwing four assists per game now. Because that's fair. Uh, did, did you get, There was a feature on him on ESPN. He was apparently, he, he learned basketball six years ago. He's the best basketball player in college that just started casually playing as like a 17-year-old. And he used to be a good baseball player. Can you imagine a 7-4 MLB player? That, like, he was better at baseball than basketball until he discovered basketball exists, like, six years ago. That's bananas. Like, that should not be allowed. Some people are like, just it's different. Like, it's like the Joel Embiid thing, how he was like, that he gets to the United States as a 14-year-old, and they're like, hey, how about this sport? It's called basketball. And he's like, oh, I could try this. And boom, two years later, he's the best player in the, in the, he's the number three pick in the NBA draft. Meanwhile, all of us could play basketball for 800 years and not even touch Joel Embiid's level of, uh, mm, mm. I just see what you guys are typing in there. Mm. Mm. Uh, oh, yikes. Oh, uh, yikes. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, uh, yikes. Uh, Drew so, Timmy Drew is Timmy, not a yikes. Yeah, he played well. San Francisco's he had, he had a, a yikes. Great, the schedule's He had a, a great home game against a, um, um, uh, then it, again, those are the adjectives I typed to describe San Francisco. I can't believe it, guys. Surely that 21-point first half means he'll be really good against the athletic teams coming in the NCAA tournament, right? I've never seen that movie. Yeah, they're definitely not getting beat by, oh, Mississippi State, we'll say. 
Yeah, something, somebody lousy who's in this conference, and they're <laughs> good, good call, I guess. Vanderbilt hit a three right at the final horn to shock number six, Tennessee, giving you further proof why you should never, ever, 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 ever <laughs> trust Rick Barnes in your NCAA tournament bracket. Number three, Alabama, meanwhile, a team that you very well may want to trust in your NCAA tournament bracket, reached 11-0 and in SEC play by obliterating Florida by 28. Brandon Miller went off for 24 points, and the Crimson Tide made 15 threes. They are America's team. They are the Golden State Warriors of college basketball. They are my one true love, and I cannot lie. They are the one team that will make me leave. Damn it, Bill! And that's kind of kind of joking, kind of not, because <laughs> have you watched them play? Ranked teams to lose since the last show. Well, the, re- the reason why I'm not going to leave Damn it, Bill. is because he's responsible for the highest ranked team to lose in college basketball this week. Number five, Texas, went to the fog and left a loser. Number six, Tennessee played Vanderbilt, a team you should never lose to in any sport, but they did. <laughs> Number 10, Marquette got UConn. Number 11, Iowa State, as what's happened most of the time this year, they've gone on the road, lost, this time to West Virginia. TCU takes a very in, uh, non-embarrassing loss, despite the margin, to K-State. North Carolina State lost to uh, Ryan's favorite head coach ever. Yeah. Not even John Shire, but he is in that league. It's Tony Bennett. And number 24, Rutgers lost to the fighting Trace Jackson Davises. Uh, that's what they really should call themselves because he's all they got. It's funny how the ranked teams to lose since the last show segment. A, a solid 50% of those teams are always Big 12 teams because <laughs> you never find Houston anywhere to be found or anybody in their league for that matter. No, uh, last Houston's week only a ranked team and they don't lose to their eight-win schedule. I think you could make that comp- the top 25, the top 50, and I'm not sure how many teams from that league would be ranked. Do you guys off the top of your head know the second best team in that conference? Of what conference? Uh, Houston's. So what, what is Houston even American in? American Athletic. The ACC, right? Yeah. Um, the second best team in that conference, I believe, is... Um, what is they it? beat K-State I... in football this year. Yeah, it's Tulane. Is it too, Tulane it's has, too like, lame? Tulane has losses. Tulane is the second best team at nine and three and Tulane lost non-conference games to Nevada Fordham who scored 95 George Mason and uh, Western Kentucky. And by the way, the second best team in that league lost to lost to Houston by 20 at home. They actually lost to that horrible Tulsa team. That's five and 18 and they're in second place in that conference. And that conference usually isn't that bad. But it is apocalyptic yeah, nor- this season. Normally, SMU is solid. Wichita State, Cincinnati, Memphis, Memphis has, has decent been teams. Better. Yeah, and just just nothing going at this point in time. Uh, also, Loyola Marymount is in a dogfight with uh, St. Mary's. I need O. Mary to pull off a win because that would mean Gonzaga's streak of titles, well, titles, kind of air quotes, would be set to come to an end. All right, let's do Ask RCB. As we get a little bit later into the show, let's start with this one. At Ryan underscore Landreth, give me a Super Bowl prediction. Chiefs 26, Eagles 20. Mahomes, ring number two. Eagles 31, Chiefs 13. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chiefs 40, Eagles 24. All in. All the chips to the middle of the table. Mahomes uh, brings home ring number two. I agree. Um, at Show Me Hawk, if you were commissioner of the Big 12, Ooh, like this. I couldn't do worse. I would instantly be their best commissioner in the of the last three. 
and you had a first choice to add or subtract teams from the conference, name a team you would add and a team you would drop. Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, you drop UCF. out of anybody? Like, just anybody like, at all? Nick, are we are we adding and dropping teams that aren't in the league yet? Because, yeah, I'm with you. I don't need Central Florida in the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, add... I would add, give me Oregon in the Big 12. That's what I was going to say. Oregon or Notre Dame? No. I mean, Notre I, Dame. I would love to add Gonzaga to the Big 12 so I can watch Mark Few go 9-9 nine and nine with teams that normally go 16-0 and 0 in the WCC and look as confused as he was on that night he got his DUI. And then there are stupid fans and all the stupid people with the stupid blue check marks that... Get all hot and bothered every time you mention Gonzaga's record may be inflated when they lose to a four seed in the NCAAs whenever they, they go three and six on the road in Big 12 play, and it's just not quite the same. But Gonzaga would be fun. They have a good home fan base, too. They would make a, I don't know why they, they're not in the league like the Big 12. They would make a lot of sense. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, Nick, from at Grilled by Bill, what are your thoughts on Brock Cunningham's mustache? <laughs> very brock cunningham-ish it's great i wish every player had a, a brock cunningham mustache patrick mahomes said he tried to get all the chiefs players to wear fake mustaches when they got off the team charter uh in honor of andy Reid, and they wouldn't do it what the heck oh come on get do that for the, the season opener next year landon could grow a mustache that would make drew timmy proud but he doesn't do it uh what else do we have here from at rsmith5114, are KU's ups and downs this season more reflective of their own inconsistencies or the level of competition in the Big 12? I mean, they went 11-1 and in non-conference play, didn't they? I think it has more to do with the Big 12. They're playing a three-seed every single night, and they're still winning two out of their three conference games despite basically playing a Sweet 16 game every night. If you're playing that quality of games and still winning two-thirds of them, you're doing a good job. And it may not result in direct correlation to having a successful NCAA run, but it's a great way to prepare for it. Nick? At rsmith5114. Oh, you just read that one. At Casey, what is your favorite non-primary color? Uh, orange has generally been my favorite color. Orange is such a Landon what answer. What are non-primary colors? Uh, red, blue, and yellow are primary colors, sir. Did you pay attention in art class in public school? I, I have no... I don't remember. Uh, I'll go with uh, green. Turquoise! turquoise you can do anything with you can paint a wall turquoise you can have a turquoise car you can have a turquoise shirt turquoise is the most underrated color on the color wheel turquoise sports uniforms look fantastic yeah it's an all right color don't don't hate at rob rb 23 considering kevin mcculler and tyrese halliburton were the top two transfers connected to ku this past offseason i'm assuming you mean tyrese hunter because tyrese halliburton is a very good nba player that would be absolutely a blast to have at ku so we'll go ahead and say you meant tyrese hunter uh would ku be better with hunter instead of mcculler no they don't need another point guard that doesn't look to score very much mcculler does the dirty work and i think if you take mcculler off this team i think you're losing like three or four wins yeah, I Probably. think that is a fair answer. There is nothing sexy about what McCuller has done this year. 
but he's quietly been one of your most clutch players. Remember the Wisconsin shot? Remember the shot that beat Oklahoma State? Remember the block at the end of that game? Then he had a huge shot from the corner that helped them beat Oklahoma in the comeback, or I guess that was the driving and one that put him ahead for good. He's been a clutch player. You would notice if Kevin McCuller wasn't on the team. Uh, from at Matt underscore Galantine, what Jayhawk in the self era have you personally liked the least? Marcus Garrett. <laughs> That's <laughs> so mean. Marcus Garrett was a good player. I do not care. He was the single most frustrating basketball player I've watched on my own team. Why is that? Deidre Give Kowalski. everybody. Yeah, that and that's that's answer, a very Nick. holy crap. That's a very Nick take too. All right, all right. I want I want reasons he was why. He's so for overrated. He was so overrated. That team was hot. He garbage. scored like eight hundred points yeah, in a single the season. Team was hot garbage. <laughs> that was an awful team. Nick, that team would have been like 12 and 12 if you take Deidre Glosson off of it. For real. Deidre Glosson Marcus was Garrett, not I don't care if the team would have went 12 and 12 because I would have had more <laughs> fun watching them without him on that squad. Yeah, we've done this podcast for 10 years, and that season, the COVID season, where they were top three on January 1st and really frustrating like a month later, that was a really funny season of this show because Landon just openly hated the team. They were losing by 20 to USC, and Landon was like, hey, this is okay. I like watching this team get their clocks cleaned. I certainly feel like that in hindsight. My gosh, I couldn't stand which is then weird because pretty much that exact roster won a title a year later. Which that was great, but yeah, that team, that team sucked, and it was kind of hilarious. We there was nothing else to do, so we all like. I think that may be the year we put the most time into watching college basketball and doing this podcast. Because what else was there to do that winter uh, than to watch sports? And then they were just so bad. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. That was that was frustrating. Um, my, my least favorite uh, Jayhawk in the Bill Self era. I have a hard time answering this because I don't have any disdain for these players. They're all they're all put so much more than people realize into this team. But like without hating on Marcus Garrett too much, yeah, that was really frustrating to watch him play. Uh, maybe Mitch Lightfoot up until the very end, just because boy did and the very and you guys were on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very beginning of my my career, Deidre Glosson, if if my love for Mitch Lightfoot was a bell curve, it would be an upside down bell curve. The great the the start was great, the end was great, and everything from like game six to the <laughs> fifth to last game of his career, I was screaming obscenities at Bill Self. Damn it, Bill! To get him off the team so Zach Clemens could play. I have an Ask RCB question for you guys. All right. Okay. Guess what country Remy Martin is currently playing in. Oh, oh man. Ooh, I mean, uh, we're never going to guess it. I'm assuming it's Europe. It is I'm, Europe. I'm going to go with Slovenia. Romania. Greece. All right. I'm a Greek guy then. Go Greece. I love Remy. I miss Remy Martin so much. Yeah, Nick Do you know what country Perry Ellis so is currently playing in? Uh, Japan. Uh, is it? China? No, it's France. Oh, that's right. I'm, there's probably not a whole lot of American players in China right now. I don't know who would really sign up for that at this point. Um, but yeah, that's that. Perry Ellis was on the KU coaching staff last year, so that must be a, a new thing. He's back now playing. Nick loved Remy Martin. There is not a single bigger Remy Martin fan on earth than Nick. I love and Nick that was, guy. He was so patient with him too, and look how look how much you were you wound up being rewarded. He's one of the best players in Kansas basketball history. I'm just gonna say that. 
He was he helped them win a national title, yep. which is right. Landon's just like, mm. Landon's like, hmm. How did a team that lost the USC by thirty two the year before win a national title the following <laughs> year? Remy Martin was the reason. And also, Ochai Baji upped his scoring average by like five, and Christian Brown did the same, and both were excellent players. Have yeah, we Aaron ever, as a group, that. have we ever, as a group, been angrier? At Bill Self, at any point than we were when he was just not playing Remy Martin. No. And Remy would score 12, and he'd be like, yeah, but he did this wrong. He sucks. He defended screens wrong, like, twice. And you, like, that's coach speak, right? Yeah, like, Bill Self's going to do that with everybody, but it just felt extra with Remy Martin. Like, he would go out of his way to be like, well, he ain't winning conference player of the year. Yeah, it was very strange. And then, obviously, his most outstanding player of the Midwest region says hello to anyone who was... We took crap for that. We took crap for being like, I think Bill knows better. Remy scored a lot of points, but he never won anything. So why would he play on a winning team? Remember all those tweets? Oh, man. And now that makes me wish I I haven't done this show this much. Uh, Nick, a question I think will mostly be for you from at AlexFisherKU. He says, I'm stealing this, but I thought it was an interesting question. Would you rather have tickets to the Masters for one year or tickets to the very famed 17th hole at the Waste Management Open for life? Oh, wow. Talking about golf, right, Alex? <laughs> you don't watch golf? Uh, Why do you watch the Waste Management? Probably. I would probably take the uh, the Masters, I, seem, I think, is a little overrated. I'd probably take the Waste Management Open 17th Wow. Hole. See, I don't even think this is close. I would love to see. I'm not a big golf guy. I watch the majors. I could probably list 15 or 20 golfers. So I'm a casual golf watcher. But yeah, the Masters is on TV all four days that that it's on in our house. Of course it is. And getting to go to the Masters, I'm not sure there are five sports bucket list things that I could put on that list ahead of going and seeing a Masters in person. It's that one. Landon, I've I assume seen, based on the way like, you phrase that, you don't care. Seven or eight hours of golf ever in my life if you count Sports Center highlights. <laughs> that is a good place to watch them. And I don't have it on watching religiously or anything, but there's something about the Masters when the weather's starting to get warm and you can have the windows open, the NCAA tournament just in it, and the Masters is on TV with that with Jim Nance and the jingle on in the background. Just something about it. I would love to see it in person. Uh, kind of tying into that question. Uh, with bucket lists, there is a bucket list question here. Uh, I don't know how I missed. There it is at Matt underscore Galantine. Bucket list for each of you. Go to Australia. Okay. Um. Make a feature have, film. I have one thing, and I'd like to move to Florida. It's going to happen at some point. Uh, that's about it for me. I I I'm a man of of low dreams. I would like to watch the Chiefs play in a Super Bowl at some point with my own eyes, but considering what the Super Bowl has become, I'm going to have to kill three people and steal all their <laughs> kidneys first. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I thought you meant just do Nick, like three hit jobs for the mob. I mean, th- have you seen how much a, a Super Bowl ticket costs? That might get me That might get me my flights. I don't know how much that's getting me the rest of it. Uh, Nick, you're, you're a big, like, nostalgic bucket list guy. What are some things that you've got? Uh, I'd like to go to Norway, um, buy a house. For no reason. No particular reason. For get married. All your Snapchat friends. <laughs> get married. Wow, Nick, that's such a business major answer. Buy a house and get married. And Landon's like, well, uh, Landon and I are talking about all the sporting events we want to watch. 
I don't really honestly know if I have too many sporting event ones. I mean, I'd like to go see a Warriors game in person. That'd be cool. Uh, I do want to go to a Notre Dame football game. The instant that team falls below 500, Landon's going to forget what city they play in. I mean, Jonathan Kaming is pretty cool. I'll probably follow his career. I am mostly, I'm more, I will say, I am definitely more a Steph fan than a true Warriors fan. But I am becoming a genuine Warriors fan, too. See? That's See? what all the jerks That's say. the exact same. Ryan gave me, gave me crap for, for cheering for the Broncos. But the only oh. reason I did was because of my, was Manning. I, I was That's a Colts fan when Manning was with the Colts. I was a Peyton Manning fan more than anything. Peyton Manning can go to hell. The Broncos can go to hell. (laughs) So many hours of my life, my little adolescent teenage life, was spent being disappointed at getting my hopes up that this would be the time the Chiefs would beat that five-headed cyborg jackass in all the commercials, (laughs) and in the arrowhead he would ride on his horse, literally, and rip my heart out every single time. I, the fact that you guys rooted for Peyton Manning to do anything in life except for slip and fall in a puddle in New York City really just kills me a little bit on the inside. And them winning that Super Bowl was just one of the most disappointing sports moments ever because he was this close to going out a loser and his tenure in Denver being a big fat failure. So he's one of the, He's one of my favorite, honestly, genuinely one of my favorite NFL players He's the players greatest of NFL time. player of all time. Yeah, the greatest NFL player of all time talks like Kermit the Frog and plays on Sunday here, Nick. Well, Watch well your I, mean, you, I mean, Mahomes <laughs> will be, but he's only been there five years, so. And he's better than Peyton. He's, 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 already, no, neither? Okay, I'm not going to go there. At S underscore Manning, how about that? Oh, eight. Are the Hawks capable of playing perfect and winning six in March to repeat? What are, okay, uh, answer, these are, there's a few questions here. No. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they're, ca- like, they're they're capable of it. Can you name five teams that you bet on more than them right now? I don't think you could get to five. I don't know if I'd say Purdue either. I don't. Tr- I've watched Purdue enough to know that ain't happening. Yeah, I don't really trust anybody. I think honestly, Alabama might be the team I trust most right now. Yep. You could. You, I would listen to Purdue. I listen to Alabama, and after that, I'm not sure there's anyone else. They absolutely have a chance. Uh, number two, what are our biggest weaknesses come March? In my opinion, it's the uh, bench being consistent, and it's can guys other than uh, Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, whenever he's hot, can they get enough scoring to stay in games against real high quality offenses? Yeah, mine is definitely can a true scoring option other than Jalen Wilson uh, be a thing. Nick, uh, if you had to pick a player other than Jalen Wilson, who will have an outstanding tournament? MJ Rice. See, I think the answer here is not a freshman. It's not Grady Dick because it's freshmen are usually very inconsistent. Yes, yeah, exactly. Probably don't Harris or KJ Adams. Or Kevin McCuller. He's played in enough of these games where could Kevin McCuller in a Final Four run average 17 points? Yes, absolutely. They may need that in order to make a Final Four. Um, speeding up here, getting these, uh, getting these, uh, the last ones here checked out. Ooh, uh, at Olar Casey, if you were forced to move out of the country, what country would you move to? Southern Canada. Norway. What's the hottest country? Somewhere right around the equator. I just lay out and bake all year. Rio de Janeiro or, for you then? There you go. Yeah, no, not not going it's not there. A country, not go, that's Brazil. Not going to Siberia or anything like that. Can you imagine? Let's see how cold it actually is in Siberia right now. Very how cold. Are, 
Siberia weather right now, where I think it's, uh, it is currently, oh, it's not that bad, Landon. It's a brisk zero. <laughs> Sunny oh, that's actually and zero. significantly warmer than I thought. Well, it feels like <laughs> minus 12, so there's that. And tomorrow it's going to feel like minus 18. And it's going to snow. So, yay, as Nick sneezes. Last one, at Dick underscore Taser. Um, if Bill Self was a booze drink, what would he be? Wayne adds that Huggins is a can of bush. Tang is not available. He's a church or a non-alcoholic church wine. Ultra Burger is a Michelob Ultra. Calipari is a slippery nipple. Bayheim is an old-fashioned. Shire is a Capri Sun chaser <laughs> after an overpriced <laughs> vodka. What is Bill Self? What is that your classiest? I love that. Bill one. Self. Bill Self is your classiest Scotch. Bill Self feels like Captain Morgan. Yep. That's perfect. That is perfect. And I lied. Last one at AJ Stevenson. Help me reconcile KU versus Iowa State, Kansas versus Texas, and Iowa State versus West Virginia. How did Iowa State smash Kansas and then lose to West Virginia while KU looked really impressive against Texas? Did Iowa State just get up for Kansas? Did Kansas get up for Texas? How can I tell which game most accurately depicts them? Here's my answer. They're all about the same and home court advantage matters. And that's a function of the Big 12 being mostly three seeds. Yep, you throw out, you throw in some randomness, you throw in some home court difficulty, and you throw in a little bit of regression, positive regression, negative regression, law of averages. Everybody's gonna, if you played Kansas versus Iowa State, they'd both win about five times. If you played Kansas versus Texas, they'd both win about five times. The the teeter-totter, and Iowa State, West Virginia too, the teeter-totter tips a little bit based on who's at home, but overall, they're all pretty darn close. If you ever have Ask RCBs, use the Twitter hashtag and reply to the tweet. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, after a long round of Ask RCB. Let's talk about this this sure to be disgusting basketball game. Number nine Kansas at Oklahoma. Maybe the final time, second final time. The trips to the Lloyd Noble Center are winding down for Kansas. Saturday, February eleventh at noon on CBS. Everybody's favorites. Great. Awesome. Bad things never happen on noon CBS games. Oklahoma is 12-12 and 12 overall and 2-9 and nine in Big 12 play. Those two league wins are at Tech and versus West Virginia, so not exactly inspiring wins there either. They have lost six in a row, but that is not because of senior guard Grant Sherfield, who transferred in from Nevada. He leads this team with 17 points per game. He's the starting point guard and is excellent shooting the ball at 43% from behind the arc. He scored 25 in a losing effort at Allen Fieldhouse. With the exception of Sherfield, everyone else on the Sooners has underachieved this year. Cart center Jalen Hill is the second leading scorer with 10 points, but he has been much less consistent than we thought he'd be. Milos Yuzon and Sam Godwin haven't been consistent at all either, and then there's the Grove brothers, who are the definition of disappointment. Uh, Tanner is the leading rebounder with 10 points, 7 boards per game, but he's shooting just 31% of threes. Guys, how did Tanner Grove score 35 points against Kansas? And his the idiot brother curse. added 23 more. They scored 58 points in that game, and somehow Kansas won. Can I watched Kansas not even score 58 as a team the other day in Ames, and the Groves brothers did it to them by themselves. Seen worse things, which the the white guy of the game music, these guys are due to burn Kansas again. If they don't, I'll be, if if Kansas wins this game and it's just a whatever game from Tanner and Jacob Groves again and they never play again, 
would that lock in that Eastern Washington game as the biggest WTF white guying of the game ever? Uh, it's mm. close. Because they have done very little against the Jayhawks in games other than that one. And obviously there's still one more hurdle to clear. Oklahoma scouting report, great shooting percentage, really good three-point shooting percentage, bad on defense, horrible on the glass, horrible at giving the ball away, and horrible at drawing fouls. A lot of horribleness, which you'd expect for a team that's 2-9. and nine. Kansas, as Ryan was saying earlier, has been actually worse in Norman than they have been in Stillwater over the last decade, splitting the last 10 matchups with the Sooners on the road at 5-5. Five and five. When they lose down there, something stupid typically happens, like the Pocodoke incident, Brady Manic being Brady Manic, or Buddy Heald making putbacks at the horn. We haven't seen the Groves inning yet. Could this be the day, despite the Groves' underwhelming year? Oh, that, that just ups the chances of it being a, a possibility in this game. Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk predictions here. Kansas, they need this one. If they want to win the Big 12, they've got to win games like this. This is a game that they absolutely have to win. I don't know if you can just pencil in 2-0 and in the next two road games. So you got to make sure you get at least one. And this would be a good place to start because this is probably the easier of the two games. Oklahoma, I think, is better than their record indicates. I do not expect this to be easy. And road noon games are never easy to get up for. However, Oklahoma, nothing really to play for at this point in the year. They've been a massive disappointment. And I don't think that they can slow down the Jayhawks on the defensive end. Give me Kansas 78, Oklahoma 68. The Jayhawks go into Norman and pull out a very unnoteworthy we forget this happened right after it's over because it was just so eh. But it counts in the standings, and the Jayhawks pick up a win on a day when five teams they're competing with will not. Yeah, I'm also taking Kansas here to win. Uh, despite the unfortunate environment, I think Kansas wins this game 72-66. to 66. I think it'll be relatively close. Kansas, uh, you know, doesn't have to sweat it out at the very end, though. Um, I do think Oklahoma will keep this close throughout. Um, I think one of the Groves brothers will hit three threes. Um, yeah. I don't know which one it is, but I will say one you of them does. You mean before the first TV timeout? Uh, there's equal chance of that. So we'll, we'll see how that one goes, of course. Um, I do think Oklahoma will play it tough, but I, I think Kansas uh, is, is just going to be the better team in this one and pulls out a six-point win. Also, Kansas wins this game 71-68. to 68. Very close. Uh, I thought about picking them to lose because it just seems like one of those games where they just, after a high win, we've seen this season, they just fall right on their face. So uh, I'm going to pick Kansas to win, but watch out. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State next week. Oof. All right. Look at that. Well, also from an environment perspective, this is going to be the easiest of the nine road games. So we talk about how it's really tough to win away from home. Everybody gets up for Kansas. This is going to be the quietest of the nine. So if you want to take advantage of a, a quote, easier road environment, you got to take care of business here. We saw Baylor win down there and it was close, but they didn't face any threats from the crowd. Texas didn't either. Kansas needs to get this one done. Other games around the Big 12. Well, this looks like a, a week where it's pretty easy to see what's going to happen in at least a lot of these games. So that means prepare for chaos. West Virginia at number five, Texas. Boy, I would really be tempted here if this game was in Morgantown, but I think Texas has the horses to bounce back at home. Agreed. Yes. 
Number 14, Baylor at number 17, TCU. Who wins in Fort Worth? TCU gets off the schneid. I like how Ryan leaves the more difficult games to pick uh, for us to pick first. Well, no, I know exactly what I'm doing, uh, and I have a, a point to hammer at home. Uh, but okay. I, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to hear your your prediction. Uh, I'm gonna take TCU at home here. One of my favorite things to do in revenge games is whenever a really good team loses early in the season to a team at home, and then they go on the road and extract revenge. Really good teams don't typically get swept in home and homes. Baylor lost at home to TCU earlier this year. Now the revenge game, I think they go on the road and win. Also, we don't know about Mike Miles. If he plays, that will really help TCU's chances, but he's been out for two weeks, and especially if he doesn't play, I think Baylor runs away and hides from TCU. Give me the Bears on the road. Oklahoma State at number 11, Iowa State. Two teams that are kind of going in opposite directions right now in a battle of the states. Uh, Okay, fine. I think this one's pretty easy, so you guys go first. Iowa State. Cyclones. Yep. Number 12, Kansas State at Texas Tech. Fine, I'll go first. Texas Tech at home. K-State. Uh, yeah, give me the Red Raiders. Yeah, this feels like when they're going to get somebody. Tough game for K-State. The, the If they win this game, it will impress me more than when they beat Kansas at home. Because, of course, they were ready for that one. Are they going to be ready for Texas Tech? This is the sort of game where whenever you are the hunted, the inexperience hurts when you're used to being the hunter. We'll see if they can take advantage here. Other games, number 10, Marquette at Georgetown. Uh, There aren't a lot of great games to pick, so I assume we all want the Golden Eagles. Yes. Sure. Number three, Alabama at Auburn. A college game day game. Is this the night that Alabama takes an L? No. No. Wow. Wow, really? Yeah, I'll go for it. I'll say Auburn trips them at home. Number 21, UConn at number 23, Creighton. We've been so bad picking Huskies games this year. I'm going to roll the dice again. Creighton gets them at home. I think so, too. Creighton. Number 18, Indiana at Michigan. Battle for second place in the Big Ten. Who wins here? Wolverines. Yeah, Michigan. Yep. And number one, Purdue going on the road and playing Northwestern. I think they clinch the Big Ten or at least a piece of it if they win this game. Do they get it done? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Usually the the toughest two road games or whatever, they lose one, they win one for these elite teams. I think Purdue gets it done here. Nick, just you and I in the next show, are we going to go like what? Like we going Sunday afternoon before the game or do you want to just wait and go Monday night? Uh, We'll see. All right. Well, look at that. You may get a podcast Monday and you may get a Tuesday depending on how the Super Bowl goes. Uh, Landon going to Michigan for a wedding. A Michigan February wedding. How is that legal? Yeah, I didn't say it was a great idea. Um, but On the Super Bowl weekend. Why? They didn't know that. That date. You could look up the Super Bowl date for five years from now and it's there. Yeah, they didn't know that. And the Chiefs are in it too. I understand when you're in Michigan, you're not expecting the local team to be in the Super Bowl. But they knew you were coming, didn't they? Uh, when I say they didn't know that, I mean, they weren't aware that, like, they probably didn't watch more than half of one NFL game this season. That, that feels like that should be illegal. That's sad. That's your gift to them, is the Patrick Mahomes highlight reel on DVD. They do usually watch the Super Bowl, though, so we're definitely going to watch it. Yep, I'd say you have to. 
Landon will be up at a wedding, potentially meeting his future person he's going to be getting married to. We'll see. And Nick and I will be doing this podcast. It's going to be a blast. I'm Ryan Landreth. This is Inside the Paint. I'm world traveler Landon Fields. And uh, I am allergy sufferer Nick Wiper. Yeah. Uh, hopefully Kansas is not allergic to the basket. We'll see if that happens. All right. See ya. Game in Norman. Yay. By the state of Kansas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.